I'm Grace, and I'm the host of this podcast, She Builds Me Up. She is my neighbor, my friend, my sister, my mentor, and my inspiration. She's the everyday woman that surrounds me all the time. We laugh together, we cry together, and we love together. I value her because of the amazing gifts she shares with me. Come and join my tribe, and let's build something amazing together. This is where we uplift one another, we let our guards down, we invest fully in one another, and we become stronger by doing so. Together, we are going to get into the nitty-gritty of this weird world of adult friendships. We're going to combat our challenges and have fun while doing it. Okay, we are back once again with our next episode of She Builds Me Up, and I am here with my friend Ashley, and I just have to say that I am so honored that you are here at 9 o'clock at night, because... (laughs) You should be Ashley. Grace. Ashley goes to bed at like what? Eight. Uh, yeah, I am usually in bed at eight o'clock. At eight o'clock, and that just blows my mind. Yeah. That's a good four hours before I start thinking about going to bed. <laughs> anyway, so I'm just honored to have her here at nine o'clock at night, and we were just discussing fast food, and I just I want I really want you to tell the story about the McDonald's. Oh man, yeah, uh, it's. It's just close to my heart. So a few years ago, I was probably 25 at the time. I had been to McDonald's my whole life, but only ever ordered chicken. And we roll up to McDonald's with a friend and I ordered chicken. And she, um, I don't know, she got the order wrong, but somewhere in translation, the order was mixed up and I ended up with a double cheeseburger. And as to not offend her, I took a bite out of it and never have gone back. It was just life-changing. I think I didn't realize, I think I didn't realize, A, what I'd been missing, and B, that even, even a crappy hamburger can just soothe the worst of days. Yes, yes. I've done a lot of McDonald's hamburgers since then. Yes, and... I already liked Ashley a lot before she told me that story, and then she tells me this story, and I'm like, we were just meant to be friends, because I love McDonald's despite being a foodie, or because I'm a foodie. Yeah. Because I'm a foodie. Yeah, in addition, yeah. Yeah, because you're a foodie, you love McDonald's. (laughs) I think there's something, too, about the... The McDonald's beverage. Have you read about this? Oh, no, yes. Their syrup is different. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I think the container it comes in is different. Is it? Okay, I yeah, didn't know that. I, my understanding is that the container comes in like an aluminum package. Yeah. And okay. so it maintains the integrity of the flavor and the I didn't carbonation. Know that. I feel like if I did a taste test between a McDonald's Dr. Pepper and any other fast food Dr. Pepper, I'd be able to tell. Okay, so that answers the question from Molly's episode, because that's true of Coke and Diet Coke. Like, I think Coke even has a, this might be wrong, so don't quote me on this, okay. has a specific McDonald's formula. Yeah, I would but not I'm be wondering surprised. If, and I asked her if she knew if that was true of Dr. Pepper, too, and who knows. I feel like it, it sounds is. like you're saying, yeah. I feel like we also missed an opportunity. I should have brought Dr. Peppers from several different places, and we should have taste tested them. So next episode next that you're on, episode. we're gonna the only it's all only gonna be a taste test <laughs> yeah. of Dr. Pepper. What are we doing here? What are we doing yeah, here? Yeah, this is ridiculous. Yes. <laughs> so I guess if you've gotten anything out of this podcast, it's that I love Diet Coke and McDonald's, and that's all right. You know, Who could what ask else for do you need more? to know about me? Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. 
Um, I have Ashley on today to talk about a very important topic to her and therefore me. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, I, she's going to be talking about her dad, who has shaped her life in obviously a very positive way. He passed away from cancer how long ago? About, we're coming up on eight years, actually. Coming up on eight years. Yeah. And I I just really wanted to talk about this with her. She gave me a whole list of topics that she could have talked about. And this is the one I went with because I felt like it's important to know your story as to why you've become the person that you've become. And it's important to know that about your friends. Yeah. And so I actually had not heard this story about her dad until you sent it to me. Mm. And so I just really wanted to have her come on and just talk about why she has become the person she's become because of the influence that your dad has had on you. Um, So let's just start by describing, tell us about your dad and like what kind of guy he was and all of that. Just go for it. Yeah. So my dad, um, my dad was sunshine. He really was. He was just light and happiness and joy and every positive adjective you could think of um he was super manly just a really man's man um he he always he always only in my lifetime only wore one of two things he was either wearing cargo pants steel-toed boots and a button-up plaid shirt that had to have a pocket because he always carried a pen or he was in a suit and tie. And what's funny about this is that in preparation for um, chatting with you tonight, I talked to my mom and kind of sent her some of my notes I was thinking about sharing about my dad. And the, the note the note document that I sent her was extensive, super duper long. And um, so I thought that she would have a lot to say about it. And one of the only things that she was obviously very supportive, as she always is. But one of the only things she said was, Ashley, do you not remember dad wearing Wranglers? (laughs) I was like, no, I really don't remember him wearing Wranglers. And she paused and she says, well, he was dynamite in Wranglers, (laughs) which is just so cute. But I, I think that absolutely makes sense too he was classy he was such a gentleman um he he was just a man's man but also so respectful of life and women and children and just such a great guy and he was always happy Mm -hmm. always happy Mm -hmm. he was the best it was the best yeah okay so Mm -hmm. The biggest lesson that you learned from your dad stems from the answer he had to the question, how are you doing? Yeah. So tell us about that. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like I've kind of become jaded to anyone that says, hey, how are you doing? Because my instant reaction is you actually don't care how I'm doing. That's just rolling off the tongue. Um, And so it's not a question that I ever take seriously, but it was a question that my dad always took seriously. And no matter what was going on, where he was, who asked the question, what the scenario was, he would always answer the question, how are you, with absolutely wonderful, how are you? And um, I never, I never heard him vary from that. That was his go-to. It was his standard. But your dad had hardships in his life yeah 
if you want to share a few of those. Yeah, I it, it really it really got me thinking, especially after he passed, because that's what happens is when you lose someone, you start analyzing everything mm-hmm. and remembering all the things that you didn't really um, think were important at the time. And I thought a lot about his absolutely wonderful response. And yeah, there were a lot of reasons for him to not be absolutely wonderful. Um, he went through hard things in his youth. He was serving a mission for our church. And while he was on his mission, his dad passed away. My dad wasn't able to go home for the funeral, which um, is something that I can't fathom. Being Mm -hmm. there with my dad when he had passed and then being there for the funeral was just so healing. And so um, it brought so much closure. So I can't imagine him not getting that. Um, He and my mom... Um, were told right off the bat after they were married that they would never have children. And so that was a constant struggle um, for them in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways it wasn't because they're both positive, amazing people. Um, Things were just always uh, tight for my dad financially. He owned his own business and, Mm -hmm. um, and it was a business that had like peak times of year and Mm -hmm. off peak times of year and so that was always tricky he just really had he just really had a lot of reasons he never took vacation days he I think he probably could have been stressed every moment of his life if he would have sat and thought about all the things that Mm -hmm. were great reasons to not be absolutely wonderful but Mm -hmm. despite all of that he was just always always happy yeah it's pretty cool yeah and so I just I just wonder, your dad did this all growing up, right? And so like when yeah. you were younger, like what was your reaction when you heard your dad answering this same exact way every time? It's a great question. I think the first thought that came to my mind is it was just so comforting. Like it, I always knew how he was going to answer. Mm-hmm. And so I think had he switched it up one time, I would have immediately thought that was weird or what's wrong or (laughs) so it was just such a comforting part of who my dad was Mm -hmm. I we could walk into a room and I could know that if someone asked him how he was what he was going to answer yeah so it was just a it was just a consistent happy part of my life see and that's that's funny because I'm sitting there thinking about if I, if I were you, I'd be like, oh, dad. Like, just the yeah. whole, just like, yeah. dad jokes. Like, you yeah. know, like, giving well, him I'm that sure, kind of. I'm sure I did. I'm sure. Yeah, I don't, I But, mean, of course, looking back, you see yeah. that it was a huge part yeah. of you that he said that every single time. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's let's dive in a little bit long, deeper. Let's say Let's describe your relationship with your dad growing up and as and an adult, meaning you being an adult. How did your dad shape your life while he was still alive? Yeah, um, just in every way possible. <laughs> I think uh, both of my parents, really, you can't talk about my dad without talking about my mom. They mm-hmm. were such an incredible team, mm-hmm. which really shaped who I am as an adult, especially mm-hmm. a married adult. Um, my... My dad never allowed me to touch a door handle. Like if I was walking to a door to go somewhere, he would mm-hmm. always either open the door for me or he had a little, let's see if I can do it. Hair <laughs> <laughs> is the sound he would make, which meant 
stop what you're doing immediately. Like that, that was the sound of don't touch the door handle because there (laughs) is a brother that will come open it for you. He, um, so he just really, really respected me as a woman and didn't want me to, um, didn't want me to do hard things, but wanted to teach me how to do hard things. Yeah. He didn't ever want yeah. me to have to suffer or have to go through anything hard, mm-hmm. but he prepared me to be able to handle the hard things if I needed to. So as an adult, my dad called me every day. Um, awesome. There, the, I, I actually just remembered this. Um, as a young girl, I set a goal um, to tell my family every night that I loved them, which was super awkward. I only have brothers. At that time in my life, only one of my brothers still lived at home. The others were gone. Mm -hmm. And we were a very loving family, but we didn't just say I love you all the time. Yeah. And so I set a goal to tell my family I loved them every night, and it was just soup's ock. It was just (laughs) the worst. And um, I, I can still see my brother shuddering. Like, oh, why do we have to say this? Why, like, we already know. In fact, my grandpa told my grandma, he used to say, I told her I loved her when I'd marry her, when I married her, and I'd let her know if it ever changed. Like, oh it was just My grandpa wasn't. said that same thing. Yeah, isn't That's that funny? funny? Yeah. So, anyway, because of that, it started this really great, um, tradition of my parents and me telling each other that we loved each other so at the end of every phone call we would always say I love you and um I told my mom one time I have a goal to hang up before dad can say I love you because he would say it every time and Mm -hmm. so my mom told my dad that and he then um started opening the conversations with hey ash i love you so sweet and so about a week after he passed i remembered that i had a voicemail from him that was just old 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 and i'd saved it on my phone and so i went back and listened to it and it said hey ash love you and then um and then went on with what he called about and so our relationship was just very very loving he respected me Mm -hmm. he taught me He taught me how to be, he taught me to want to be a lady, Mm -hmm. but also I came home from school one day and there was a guy that had been teasing me. So my dad taught me how to fight, (laughs) like taught me about uppercuts and left hooks and Mm -hmm. all Mm -hmm. the things. So he just really wanted to, yeah, yeah. He just, he was, we had the best relationship. That's so great. It was really great. Right. So he passed away almost eight years ago. Yeah. From cancer. Can you describe that moment when you found out and then the events leading from that moment until you got to see him again? Yeah. Before he died. Yeah. So um, my husband and I were living in Chicago. We just had one um, child at the time, our oldest son, Nolan. And um, my dad called and told, told us that he had stage four cancer. And then we just kind of talked about what that looked like, what that meant, what might happen. He did not have a lot of answers at the time. Mm -hmm. And so um, when we hung up, I said to my husband, who is the son of a physician and knows a lot more about medicine than I do, I said, that's so weird. I always thought that stage four was the worst kind of cancer. I didn't know that I had it backwards the whole time. 
And my husband was like, no, stage four is the worst kind of cancer. And I, it didn't make sense because my dad had been so happy and so upbeat about sharing this news that he had stage four cancer. And it just, um, I couldn't believe that he was reacting so positively to such a negative thing. I thought that I had to have misunderstood and that it, and that it really wasn't <clears throat> as bad as we thought it was. But it was. That was in June. And, um, and I actually, through a, a crazy series of events that would take all night to discuss, um, mm -hmm. our apartment actually in Chicago caught fire around oh that gosh. same time. And so what that ended up doing was making it so that we didn't have rent to pay. And so we were able to leave Chicago for a few weeks and go home and be with my parents, which was awesome. But then real life kicked back in and we had to go back. So we were in Chicago and my mom called and said that the doctor, the doctor said that I better go home. And through another series of miracles and just really generous people, I was able to um, hop on a plane within like two hours and um, landed in Arizona at like midnight, had an uncle pick me up and drive me the four hours the rest of the way to my parents' house. And I got there right in the middle of the night um, and was super nervous. I just didn't know what I would find. I didn't know. I mean, my dad walked me to the car the last time I'd seen him. And so to know that um, the doctor said that I needed to come, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure what I would find. But when I got there, my dad was still alive. Um, he was just not conscious. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so I got there and he, he only lived about, I guess, 16 more hours. And he only woke up two more times between when yeah. I got there and when he passed. And what was going through your mind when you saw him for those last 16 hours? Hmm. I think so many things. I think so many things were going through my mind. Um, we had a brother that hadn't gotten there yet. He was right in the middle of finals. And so there was just a lot of angst around hoping that he would also get to be there before my dad passed. Um, I think I was thinking a lot about where my dad was and what he was seeing and if he was hearing us and knowing that we were there. And um, the house was bustling. We had family coming in from all over. Um, there were a lot of nurses, a lot of doctors. It was a small town, which is the best. Um, but everyone knew what was going on. Yeah. And so I think I was just really, really concerned about his well-being. I also had a one-year-old running around. Oh, man. And so I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I was just. You were probably a little bit in shock as yeah. well. Yeah. 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 So it was you, intense. You said that in the email that you sent me, you said that the last time you saw your dad awake was a sacred experience for you. And that has brought you peace in hard times. It, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how it has brought you peace in hard times? Yeah. So, um, so it was a it was a tender moment where I was with my dad and almost everybody else in the family was doing other things. My mom was in another room visiting with nurses, talking about things that no one should ever have to talk about, um, and. I think my brothers were all just probably tending to their own kids and their own needs and doing their own things. And I had a moment where 
I was sitting at my dad's feet and um, I was rubbing his feet, which was something that I did, that I did a lot for him, even when he was healthy. It was just, um, it was just something we shared. It was something I felt like I knew, um, I knew that he would know it was me because I was rubbing his feet. And everything was quiet and I was just staring at his face. I was just looking at him, looking at the, the frail body that didn't at all represent the spirit that was inside of him and the man that I had known. And I was just kind of studying every part of him. I was looking at his hands and his face and I was looking at how his hair was still beautiful because my mom had combed it. She took just the best care of him and, um, and I was just staring at him trying to soak in what I knew were last moments. Sorry. And, um, and he opened his eyes, which was so, so unexpected. And I think because I was so caught off guard, that dumb question that we talked about earlier just spewed out of my mouth. And I said, Dad, how are you? And with zero hesitation, he immediately uttered, absolutely wonderful. And he smiled and he closed his eyes and then, and then he never did open his eyes again. And I, I have thought about that moment over and over and over again. Like, absolutely wonderful. The man was literally moments away from death. How on earth could he have been absolutely wonderful? And I've really analyzed it and really thought through it. And I've decided that there are really only three good reasons that he could have said, I'm absolutely wonderful. I think the first reason that he may have said it was just out of habit. He had been saying it my whole life, maybe Mm -hmm. his whole life. So naturally, that is what would have flowed out of his mouth. Um, My dad also, like I mentioned before, just really always had not just my best interest in mind, but everyone everyone's best interest if he was in the room with anyone ever they were more important than he or his needs and so I thought maybe he just said absolutely wonderful because he didn't want me to ache at the thought that he wasn't Mm -hmm. maybe he said that so that I would feel that I would feel peace Mm -hmm. so I think the second possibility is that he said it out of love out Mm -hmm. of love for me and then I think the third possibility of why he might have immediately said I'm absolutely wonderful is because maybe he really was. Maybe he actually was absolutely wonderful. Right. And so I think that third reason is truth, mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. He, he was telling the truth. He really was absolutely wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to read a part of the email that Ashley sent me. <clears throat> that you said you thought this right after he passed it said so that got me thinking what in my life do i do or say often enough that it would be the last thing out of my mouth moments before i pass away off the top of my head if i were to die right now and be left with only my most used thoughts and phrases to utter before i go i'd probably be muttering something about dr pepper something mm-hmm. involving parenting frustrations probably a synopsis of the latest crime investigation i can't get enough of And if I'm being honest, some derivative of a cuss word would probably slip out. 
Not an awesome thought. So how do I change my life, my outlook, my direction in a way that I could truly end my life telling people that I am absolutely wonderful and mean it? Um, and then you've already explained that you've kind of come to these three things that he did it out of habit, he did it out of love for you and the others around him, and because, honestly, it was just true. So I kind of want to break down the three things because of what you sent me. I thought it was really good and inspired me, honestly. Um, and so let's start with habit. Like, what? Explain what you mean by this and, like, how are you being more intentional about forming your habits? Yeah. Um, I think that it just really taught me that the habits that I'm forming right now Mm -hmm. literally will be the things that I do on my deathbed. Mm -hmm. And what a legacy to leave your family that, that the habit that you worked on was trying to be absolutely wonderful, trying to be positive, trying to be happy. And so it just really made me think about just the little things that I do every day, the little things that I say every day, and really the things that my children hear me say. Yeah, yeah. Because that's a scary scary thought. Well, and that's what you have left. He has left that with you. Yeah. And so then, of course, you're thinking, like, what am I leaving my kids? What's in their thoughts? Yeah. You know, and that's a huge thing. It's very impactful. Yeah. So what would you say you're trying... Are there anything, is there anything that you're doing to try and make these habits now so that hopefully a long time from now when you pass, your kids will remember? Yeah. I think the first thing that I've tried to do is realize that my dad didn't get in the habit of saying I'm absolutely wonderful by not saying it. Yeah. And so I've tried to just pick a couple of things that I think are really important Mm -hmm. and just do them. Mm-hmm. I think that sometimes we start like reading books about how to get started or listening to podcasts about what steps we can take to get on the right track. And sometimes we forget to just do the thing. Yeah. And so yeah. there are a couple of things that I've thought. Um, I thought how much my kids see me on my phone and yes. my kids don't see what I'm seeing on my phone. They see mm-hmm. the back of my phone case. Yeah. And so for all they know, I'm browsing Pinterest or looking at celebrity gossip or whatever. Yeah. And sometimes the honest truth is that I'm reading my scriptures yeah. on my phone. And sometimes the honest truth is that I'm looking up better ways to be a parent. Yeah. And sometimes I'm texting my mom or yeah. um, doing family history, learning about my ancestors. But they don't see that. They just see the back of my phone case, and and they also don't see my eyes. They don't see my face. And mm-hmm. so I thought, okay, what's one thing that I can change in that regard Yeah. to start a habit now that will carry through, that will impact my kids? And I decided that I will stop reading my scriptures on my phone, and I will only read them from a hard copy, which yeah. is like kind of the best and also kind of the worst. Yeah. But um, but I figured that was one thing that I could do. My my children now will know that I read the scriptures. And I don't know if they knew. It's yeah. really important to me. It's yeah. really important to me because because of the strength and the the help that has come to me from reading the mm-hmm. scriptures, I want them to experience that too. And I think they'll be way more inclined to read 
the Bible yeah. <laughs> if they see their mom reading the Bible. Yeah. Or yeah. any anything. Well, it, yeah, it, it doesn't just apply to scripture. It applies to anything. Yeah. Because I, you know, I, I had the same realization recently, and so I try and read my hard copies as well, not just of scripture, which I do that, but also, like, if I can do it not on my phone, I should yeah. try and not do it on yeah. my phone. And there's yeah. so much we don't realize that we can do not so on our phone. So much. <laughs> I know. Just even, like, reading a book. Yes, My kids a don't book. know I read. Oh, I don't I really know. read, but... I know. I've been trying. Yeah. But it's it's important. Or just, like, physically writing something out with a pen and a paper versus yeah. typing it in my phone, you know? Oh, man. So it's just, yeah. you know, these little habits, I think that's very important that you do the thing instead of just listening about how you should do this thing. Yeah. Do the yeah. thing. And it also begged the question in my mind, what happened the day before my dad decided I'm going to start answering absolutely wonderful? I am wondering, like, when he started that habit. Yeah. Because you, for all mom. you know, yeah, you should ask your mom. Yeah. I wonder if that was, like, from before you knew your mom or what. Yeah, like, I don't know. I had a really cool opportunity in high school to work with my dad. We worked at a county road yard, so he would drive around. Um, he was a building inspector, um, and I was, like, running heavy equipment, filling potholes and roads, just doing crazy stuff. But, um, but we worked out of the same office. And so the amount of people that like flow through an office saying, how are you every day is mm -hmm. a, a lot. lot. Yeah. yeah. And so I got to hear it so much, but I never have thought about when did it start? My guess is that it probably didn't start after the best day of his life. Probably started after a really hard day when You're he, probably right. like maybe one of, maybe I, maybe my, one of my brothers or maybe I was having a really hard time in my life staying positive and he thought, what can I do to help my kids see what positivity looks like? Yeah. I don't know. Well, and I just wonder if your dad, when I believe that he knows what's going on with you right now. Yeah. Like, I think, I wonder if it surprises him that this is the lesson that you took away from yeah. him. Because to him, it was probably just so not a big deal that he said yeah. that all the time and yeah. so it just I wonder if that would surprise him that yeah. this has made such a huge impact on your life and yeah. probably your brothers as well yeah um hmm. which leads us into the next point love yeah and you kind of already explained that you felt like he did this to protect the people he loved from knowing that he was actually yeah. hurting and actually so I guess the question I have for you and hopefully you have a good answer because I this is a genuine <laughs> question is like what would be your answer to people who would say that answering absolutely wonderful every time is like a fake thing to do yeah. because it's literally impossible to always be wonderful yeah and that it's okay to tell people that you love that you aren't okay yeah like what would you say to someone that said that to you yeah um I would say I totally get it and I I can totally relate to the feeling of not being okay and both the feeling of wanting to say I'm not okay and wanting to say I am okay just so we can move on with the conversation and not dwell on it. Yeah. Um, this really has got me thinking a lot about authenticity and mm -hmm. how big of a deal it is right now in the world to be real and to kind of speak your truth and, and just be authentic all the time, which I think is 
So wonderful. So wonderful. I think that's how we form relationships. I think that's how we build friendships. I think that's how we have honest communication. I think it's such, such a valid, um, gift to be authentic. Yeah. Uh, but I also think that sometimes, sometimes it's okay to think of other people before we think of ourselves. Yeah. And I think that we forget that, that God commanded us to, to love others, to, to think of others, to be selfless and to not think of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a fine line there, but I really feel like putting another person's interests ahead of your own mm-hmm. is, is noble. It is. And I know that that's not, I know that, that that can welcome some backlash and I totally get it. I totally get it. But I, I just really feel like the idea of wanting somebody else to not worry about you is just love. Yeah. I yeah. also recognize that there's love in worrying with someone and yes. being sad together and doing those things together. Mm-hmm. But And perhaps your dad did have that, just yeah. not with you. Yeah, because yeah. Because he loved you and as a parent loves a yeah. child, you know? yeah. And that's what I that's what I think about with my own kids is I I think sometimes it's really great for them to see me be sad and for me to explain to them why I'm sad and what's going on. But other times I just want to protect their little hearts mm-hmm. and I just want to I just I just love them so much that I don't want to see them hurt. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um Okay, so I I'm, I'm going to read another quote. From your email it says this has profoundly shaped my mentality especially when considering the long days that often accompany motherhood the anxiety i felt around moving to new places and having to make new friends the crippling reality of infertility the heavy load of student loans the nuances of adoption and a million other things that life hands to me to you to any of us my natural knee-jerk reaction to hardship or life's trickiness is either this is the worst or let me fix it but as I've tried to think about my dad's two-word lesson, I've been able to shift my thoughts and make small changes that have made a big difference. Mm-hmm. What are the, some of the small changes that you have made that have made a big difference? Yeah, so I've just really thought about this, you know, habit, love, truth. Mm-hmm. The three reasons that I think my dad might have just been able to spurt out absolutely wonderful, even on his literal deathbed. And... um. It's so silly because because I've used it in things like laundry. In I have a mountain of laundry every week, oh. every single week. Yep. It <laughs> never have, goes away. Yeah, it really does. Have you seen that meme that's like, your parents might drop you, your kids might drop you, but laundry will always be there for you, <laughs> no matter what. Got your Laundry's back. got your back. <laughs> It's just so true. It is. It and is. I feel like I'm either on my game with laundry where I wash it, fold it, put it away in the same day. And then I'm just like, man, I am the best. Or <laughs> it sits on my couch for three weeks oh. and my kids are recycling underwear, you know? <laughs> and yes. so there's just really no, no happy medium. Yeah. 
And so as silly as it sounds to use just this really tender, sacred lesson that I learned from my dad in something like laundry, it's really worked. Mm -hmm. So I, I thought, okay, the first thing is habit. What do I want my laundry to look like? I want my laundry to be washed and folded and put away all in the same day so that I can enjoy six days of the week because heaven knows I'm not enjoying that laundry day. And so I just have to start by doing it, which yeah. means I'm probably not doing other things. Yeah. But if laundry is something I want to do and I want to create that habit, I just have to do it. Yeah. And so I've made a goal to set the day that I'm doing laundry and truthfully not do anything else. And then the next part of my dad's little lesson is the love. And when I think about the people that I am doing laundry for, and as you just read, um, we've dealt with infertility and adoption, and I have three miracle children. Mm -hmm. And when I take a minute to recognize that I am folding the clothes of a human that I literally never thought I would hold in my arms and put a little bit of love on this menial task that I really don't enjoy changes everything. Yeah. And it shifts into this selfless thing that I can do for somebody else and forget about myself. Yeah. And that really, really changes things. And then all of a sudden we come to that third point of the truth of, of my dad saying he was wonderful because he really was. So now I have this truth attached to laundry where I am a person who can do my laundry and does do my laundry on the same day, all of it. I wash it, fold it, put it away all on the same day. So by legend. executing, well, I did you say legend? I said legend. Yep. <laughs> uh, Today was that day and oh. it felt so great. But and last, now you can enjoy the rest of your week. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. Last yeah. week, it didn't happen. Actually, I think last week it might have happened. Two weeks ago, it didn't happen. And next week, it might not either. And I feel like we have to give ourselves some grace yeah. in all of that. Mm -hmm. But I feel like when I intentionally execute this honest, this, this um, like tried and true method that I feel like worked with my dad of these three steps, mm -hmm. it works. And it I, just works. I feel like this was the part that really inspired me with your email because I obviously laundry is my most hated task because it's, it's the worst because it's the worst. So I obviously connected with that specifically because <laughs> I realized like it is such a way to show your family that you love them by yeah. doing their laundry. But I also realized that there's so many things in our life that we do they're menial yeah. like i as stay-at-home moms we have a lot we were just talking about this how we kind of like that's our report card almost yeah. like what well, was my house clean are my kids bathed did like, i make dinner did i make dinner yeah. and if i didn't do these things then i have failed got a bad grade but i know that non-stay-at-home moms have these same tasks in their life yeah. that they hate doing yeah and yet, if you can find a way to put love into it and to love the people around you, that, that is such a game changer. Yeah. And it's like, that is what really made it for me. Because I think about cooking. Like, I love to feed people. Yeah. So, like, when there's someone in my life that is struggling, my knee-jerk reaction is I am taking them food. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
And like, it's not even, not to toot my own horn, but that's not even hard for me to do because it's so natural for me to do it. Yeah, yeah. So if I hear like, okay, Ashley had a death in her family or she had a miscarriage or she had a baby, even if it's a happy thing. Yeah. Food. Food, yeah. I'm going to text you. And it's not even like, can I bring you dinner? Yeah. It's, I am bringing you dinner. <laughs> which is Unless someone else is already bringing you dinner, <laughs> in which case I will bring you dinner tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and it's because I that's the way I show my love. And yeah. so I, I think I need to open up my mind to realize how can I spread that love to different tasks yeah. in my life. And, but, and I love listening to you say that too because – it's habit. It's what you do. Yeah. That's what you were yeah. just saying. Like, yeah. it's what I do. Yeah. It's also what you love. Yeah. And therefore, it's who you are. Yes. I feel like if someone asked you to describe yourself in five words or less, yeah. food would for sure be one of those oh. words. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Totally. So, like, totally. habit, mm-hmm. love, and then it becomes a truth. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's crazy. And I just, it just was this, like, it honestly inspired me. I was like, okay, how can I, for me, it's laundry. And obviously for you, it is too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And for all you listening, maybe laundry is your (laughs) thing too. But if it's not, pick your thing that you hate doing. And how can I put love for others into this task and change that mentality? And I think too, a thought I just had is so many of these things are things we're already doing. Yes. So we, we have might to already do. be in the habit. Yes. So now just add that little bit of love yeah. and then we can kind of make the truth be whatever we want it to be. Yeah. yeah. I am a person who does laundry. Maybe well, not I'm a person who loves laundry, but I'm a person who does my laundry. Well, and I, that was the other part that you said in your email is you talked about this idea of just telling yourself these truths, even if they're not true yet. Yeah. You say to yourself, I'm a person that does my laundry all in one day. Yeah. I don't think I've ever done all of my laundry in one day yeah. since having kids. Before, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Before kids, sure. I think I may, <laughs> might have had a few days here and there. Even then, my roommates will probably text me and be like no <laughs> grace you're close out on the dryer for <laughs> a week um but just telling yourself because i actually had the same conversation with my husband he's like there was this huge mental shift he's like i'm a person that i study and i do well on tests yeah. and like that was like when you tell yourself that you are that person you're motivated to live up to that standard yeah. that you're giving your own self you know yeah yeah and so i don't know i think yeah it's mind-blowing what if my dad was like i am a happy person exactly and then that i am absolutely wonderful yeah i am yeah yeah that fed the other two things i think they really can feed each other yeah Hmm. yeah um so you said that a lot of this is a mental change we've just been talking about and simply just wanting to be absolutely wonderful so therefore you work towards being absolutely wonderful in truth where do you find the motivation to want to be absolutely wonderful, especially on the days that you just frankly aren't? I, I honestly think a huge part of my motivation for that comes from the comfort and the consistency that I felt from knowing that my dad was and what that did to me as his child. Mm-hmm. And that fuels my desire to be that for my children. I want my children to to look back and say, my mom was always happy. Mm-hmm. Or when my mom wasn't happy, she had the tools to climb out of it and then be happy again. And That's key. So, yeah. 
So my motivation, I think, comes from what my dad gifted me mm-hmm. and me wanting to gift that to the people that I interact with on a regular basis. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, I just want to wrap up real quick by thanking you for coming on the show. We, Ashley and I, went on a girls weekend back <laughs> in November. That's when I first really got to know you. We actually met through a mutual friend. I usually tell people how we meet. I yeah. met Ashley through a mutual friend, um, Michaela, who's, you'll have yeah, heard from her, know her at this time. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so we went on this um, girls weekend, and I was like, Michaela, I want to go on a girls weekend. She's like, okay, well, I really want to invite Ashley. And I was like, I don't know her. I don't know about this. <laughs> love it um but it turned out to be a fantastic much needed retreat where i got to know her ashley mm-hmm. on just a level where it, sometimes you just have those people in your life where you don't see them that often you but just the quality outweighs the quantity do you know what i'm yeah, saying i like, love that and it's so true I and I, I definitely like there were some serious quality moments <laughs> and like obviously i've seen you since then <laughs> multiple times but I just knew we talked about the podcast yeah. and I because yeah. I've been throwing this idea around for a long time yeah and you were one of the people who are like do it just do yeah. it anyway so I I appreciate our high quality friendship that we have going yeah um, I feel the same. and so I, I knew I wanted to have you on the podcast and I'm just grateful that you were willing to stay up late to <laughs> record with me because it doesn't work with young kids running around to record so yeah no, thank you. Know you. Thanks. I'm honored beyond to be here. So, so honored. Thank you. Um, I will end with asking you one question. Mm-hmm. How are you doing? I'm absolutely wonderful. Awesome. If you're liking what you hear on this episode or other episodes of this podcast, I would love for you guys to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with your friends and family. I love hearing women's stories about why they are the way they are, and the people that have influenced them, and this is no different with Ashley's story. I'm so grateful that she was willing to share the sweet story behind her and her dad, and I love that she was able to share it with us. If you want to follow along for podcast updates, go ahead and follow me on Instagram, at SheBuildsMeUp. And as always, you can always reach out to me through email. 